Just a quick warning before we get started. There is strong racial language in this episode that is not beeped, so I wanted to let you know that ahead of time. Also, this was a COVID episode, so it was recorded via the internet. So there will be some feedback at certain times, but overall, it's still a quality uh, audio broadcast. And thank you so much for tuning in with us. The colored bathroom, a white water fountain and a black uh, uh, colored water fountain. And so I was getting ready to drink out because it was just a water fountain to me. And he says, Daddy says, no, baby, you can't drink out of that one. And I says, why? It's water. And uh, he said, no, you got to drink out of this one. The white one was just clean. The black one was, you know, filled with a lot of uh, uh, the lime, you know, mm-hmm. on the metal itself. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't look clean at all. I didn't get in the water, but, uh, you know, and so. Hello everyone, welcome back to Objects in the Mirror, that's right, Objects in the Mirror, the podcast that asks the question, as it concerns the racial history of our country, are the objects in the mirror closer than they appear or not? So glad to be back with you, Uh, we have a conversation with Cousin Diane and Cousin Randolph, have a lot of really great things to share with you, hope you enjoy it, if you like it, remember, like, subscribe, share, review, you can follow us at OITM Podcast, and uh, you can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcast, hope you really enjoyed this episode so tell me um where where you grew up and what was it like growing up um as black children you know when you uh where, where you grew up and like during the time in which you grew up um for me i grew up in the 50s um uh, and i i started out in Hamlico County with my grandmother and my grandfather, my grandmother, um, Elizabeth Davis, and my grandfather, Roosevelt. And then uh, somehow they moved to Craven County, to New Bern. However, there were still strong ties, you know, in, in Hamlico, especially in Arapahoe. And so um, my first schooling my kindergarten was in Newburn and what was then called Cedar Street Recreation Center. And I remember my teachers, Miss Martin and Miss Ames. And Miss Ames wound up being what we, that's what we called her as little children. And so she wound up being Ms. Amos, and then later she was Mrs. Mosley, and she taught down at Pamlico County uh, School, in the Pamlico County School System. So, but she, they were my favorite teachers at, you know, in kindergarten, Miss Martin was another. And uh, after that, I went to first grade in, uh, at Gatlin Creek Center, and Ms. Uh, Queen Hudson was my first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. So we were like commuting back and forth, you know, during that time. Uh, and Ms. Hudson was a phenomenal as a teacher. Miss Queen, she was really a nice, nice teacher, uh, a teacher that was very informative, you know, and she cared for her students and all. And this was in the segregated time of history for, for us. And so, um, after first grade, I, I, we moved. This was an actual move. 
And so we moved to New Bern and we lived on Racetrack Road, which is really not that far from where we are now. In fact, it's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I can still see the, the, the tree where I had my swing in <laughs> <laughs> during that time. And so from second grade to 10th grade, I attended uh, Craven County Schools, uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth was at West Street, uh, then elementary school, and ninth and 10th was in, uh, at JT Barber. So my grandfather passed at that time, and uh, at, my grandmother did not want to live at, uh, on Racetrack Road. You know, it was just the two of us, and during that time, the road was dirt, and, you know, anything could have happened, you know, during that time, and I'm giving you an abbreviated version of everything. <laughs> uh, and so we wound up moving to Arapahoe, and that's where we stayed. And I, I finished my 11th and 12th grade year uh, in Pamlico County Schools. Last year was uh, when segregation was supposedly demolished, and uh, I graduated from Pamlico County High School. So you, know? you graduated from Pamlico. So you didn't go to the segregated school during your high school years. Both both of your high school years in Pamlico were integrated? No, just the just last your, year. Just your senior year. Right. Just the senior year was, was integrated. And right. at that point in time, it wasn't by choice. Like at that point in time, it was fully integrated or was the... It was mandatory. It was mandatory. Okay. Because right. I was talking to Uncle Darrell and he was one of the first one. I remember there was a time where like the first year where they were allowing integration. Right. He, he, he integrated. And, um, right. Right. And yes, so that's, that, that's what happened. Like I could have gone the 11th grade year, but I actually wanted to complete my education at a, a black school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had no choice. Um, that 11th grade, that 12th grade year, it was mandatory that, the schools were integrated at that time. So segregation was supposedly demolished. Got you. So that's that's my educational part, unless you want me going to college too. That's that's good. I want to hear from uh how about you, cousin Randolph? Can you give me some some context for um for how you grew up? Well, yes. Um, I grew up in the 50s, and it was good when I was a, a real small guy, you know. Uh, when mom and dad them got so, the, this is about at the age of, as far as I can remember, about five, about five or six years old that we could come out the house and play. It was good then. And then when we got a little bit older, um, and then because we grew up in an all-white neighborhood. Mm. It's all white. We were the only black in that neighborhood during the time. Wow. And so uh, it was kind of good, you know, long and then when I was small, uh, when I got in the grades of about the fifth or sixth, sixth, sixth grade, 
the little white boys start coming over, you know, who play ball and, you know, baseball in the yards. And then after a while, it had a place where we go and meet that we called, we, it was the, on the Lee Landon or Road. It, we call it the bridge. Mm-hmm. Where you were born. I mean, so yeah, I, was, I was born in Reelsburg. Okay. Called Reelsburg. That's where I was born. And so we'll go down to the bridge and we will play. And they had little fish in the creek. So we we used to catch the little fish and stuff. We used to fish together. And um, which that, it was a lot of fun. And then when it started getting a little, you know, sun going down a little bit, mama would start yelling, y'all. They called me Squeak <laughs> when I was growing up. Squeak, it's they, time for you to come on home. Okay, Mama. What they call you? Squeak. <laughs> they still call me. That's, that's why they call That's why they call me now. Squeak. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Your grandmother, she was the only one, you know, who else? They call me, call me Randolph. Only a couple of people around the home call me Randolph. <laughs> people. Rest of them is squeak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <know me. laughs> and um, but anyway, my brother name was Fuzzy. <laughs> so was squeaking fuzzy. We we rode we rode together. <laughs> and so um like I was saying, it, it was it was fun. And then the, the little white boys they will come and um to mom and dad, they know exactly when mom was was cooking. They used to come and uh, hang around to the back doorstep, wait for mom to give them a biscuit. <laughs> okay. We could really cook. That was a <laughs> so mom, she would give them a biscuit, you know, and uh, and after they get the biscuit, they were happy, and so. Like I say about the fifth, about fifth, sixth grade, with the white boy, they were hanging around the house. Okay, we will play while the sun was up. <laughs> this is the cute part. <laughs> when the sun went down, we hear, hey, nigga. <laughs> hey, nigga. I said, my, ask my brother, did you hear that? He said, yeah, them jokers calling us a nigga. I said, okay. And uh, the next day come, same playtime in the afternoon. Everything was fine. Hanging around mom and dad at uh, back doorstep. Mama give them a biscuit. Time the sun go down, get night. Who's a nigga? Wow. Okay. Me and my brother, we said, you don't have to put this in there neither. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you do it tonight, we're going to get her. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that gotta go in, cousin Randolph. That gotta go. In. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe the, that maybe the, for the next couple of days they didn't do it, but they will come to the house, do the same thing. You see, mom and dad in my house all the time, and when that evening come, that night come, for the same thing. So they so they did, they did it again. Me and my brother had BB gun. You know, back then the BB gun wasn't wasn't that strong. Right. We put a nice sting on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so we didn't bother with BB gun. We uh went down to the bridge. I just a nice to him. It was about about four of them. 
you know, and we asked them, what was that you all called us the other night? Nothing. Yeah, somebody was saying something. <laughs> it wasn't me. Said, okay, better not hear it again. <laughs> so about the next day, we heard it again. There were three of them down there. Me and my brother took them BB guns. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> Boy, they we started shooting. They said, oh, God, they shoot. They shoot. <laughs> them cats start heading down that highway. It was too late then because we had to be on. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of your words. See, we live in the age of word count. Every syllable is tallied and held in record, so you best make your words count. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I see somewhere you were still doubtful. Just thinking about all the lives lost as a result of cyberbullying. With a click of a mouse and some type letter, souls are crushed and hope is fettered. There's too much going on in this world, so I can't keep wasting words. So many of us believe we were made in the image of God, but we fail to realize that just as his words give life, ours have the same effect. And no, we may not be able to bring planets into existence with our words, but our words shape the world around us. For you see, your words create your world. What you breathe into this world will be the framework for the life that your portrait will be painted in. This is why complaints are nothing more than ink blots on a freshly printed page. They take the focus off the words, and in some cases, hide a part of the story. This is why every word that I spit is hand-picked. It was carefully considered and cautiously critiqued because while I'm whispering sweet nothings in y'all's ear, there was someone literally dying to hear words like, hello, what is your name? You matter, or the most dangerous word in the world, love. Then that calmed down for a while, you know, still growing up, mm -hmm. growing up and all. And so, um, after a while, they uh, kind of, well, you know, weaning off. When you're getting a little bit bigger, you start weaning off. And when, you, when you say that, you mean like not um, your friendship began to kind of wane off. That's what you're saying? Y yes, it will kind of start dwindling, you know, dwindling away. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and then they was, you know, they was getting older themselves. And then we were working also in the community. And uh, it was like, a, you know, for the parents, some of the parents, you know, we used to work for some of the parents. We would call them that's a nigga. Mm. And so uh, we, we, worked, we worked for them. They, uh, the parents would say it? Excuse me? You said the parents would say it? Uh-uh, uh-uh. We worked for the parents. For some okay. of the parents, you know, cutting their grass. And okay, I got you. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so they got demanding. They were sending their little grandsons or, or sons over there, and they would tell my father, would say, my, my grandmama say, you all come over there and cut her grass. And so they just shouldn't have let my dad hear that. Mm. They say you won't you won't be cutting another grass in this neighborhood. Yeah. Now were you now were you in high school? No, no, still, still, still. Between the fifth and the eighth grade. Yes, and uh, I haven't gotten to the good part yet. 
And so we, we didn't only work for them, we only worked for storekeepers. We worked for the parties. We got the truck stop in Reelsburg. We worked, we worked for them. We worked for uh, um, Linwood Goodins. He, he had a great big turkey farm. We worked for them. And they were, they were paying, paying pretty good. And we worked at a store they called Strickland Grill. We used to work for uh, uh, the owners of that store, so husband and wife. They were used, we used to go there to cut grass with a swing blade. Don't, you probably don't know what that is, do you? Do you know what it swing is? Swing blade? Uh, it's shaped no. like, a, shaped like a, a, almost like a, a triangle. Yeah. And uh, it's got a long handle and you swing it. Like you, like you almost uh, seen the baseball player the way to do this. Uh -huh. uh -huh. That's the way you yeah. use that blade. They are dog pins. And, um, and so they, they, they paint us pretty good, you know. And so I'm going to get through cutting around the dog pins because we kids, you know. And so we'll go spend some of the money right back with them that mm -hmm. they gave us. And so we'd be laying on the counter like I'm laying on the counter now. And the whole store full of, full of uh, white people. And the owner, she said, y'all back away from this county. You know we don't allow no niggas on this county. I just come out in her dog pen, smelling just like the dog pen, you know. And then you say, and then you say something like that. Here yeah. we are. We, we're hurt again. We are. You, you know, the thing that I don't understand, and, and especially since this, this woman hired them to do that job. My grandfather, when we were coming from Newburn, my grandfather and I would stop by there and daddy would go inside of that store and, and he would sit there at the counter. You know, I, I just don't understand that. And he says, okay, baby, what do you want? And I would tell him what I want. The woman would give me what I want. Nothing said. That's why I, I, and I told Rand all the time, I cannot understand why this woman would do such a thing, you know? Was it just because it was them or, or what? Because I know if they had, done, if they had said it to my granddaddy, <laughs> he would have turned the whole place You know, just because it was us, because but that wasn't right. we were the only one, we were the only black family in, the, in that neighborhood. <gasps> so how did, could you tell me like, how did that happen? Because, you know, yeah, how, how do you end up in, uh, as the only black family in a predominantly white neighborhood? Because I'm reading, I'm reading like now um, how uh, things were done to kind of try to prevent that. Okay. What had happened, I, as far as I know of, my dad, he had been looking for land. And so what happened? He couldn't find no land. So with the next thing that his, was in his mind, he was going to move to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And so evidently this Cahoon man, the Cahoons, they live in Grantsboro. Mm -hmm. My dad found this piece of property. And so he bought it. He bought the property. And... Um, I guess he had been looking for property other places, but either it was too high, he wasn't able to get it, or uh, 
and probably that's what it was. He wasn't able to get it because he was the only one. Because he was the only he was the only one working hmm. through my whole life. Mom never worked. Mm -hmm. She never did. He was the breadwinner of everything. Mm -hmm. And so uh that this is how we wound up in Terrellsboro. Uh being the only black family there. I don't know. Um, other people, as far as I can, you know, my perspective that they didn't choose to live there in Reelsboro during mm -hmm. the time, you know, because it was an all white neighborhood. A lot of blacks didn't want to live in no all white true. neighborhood. That's true. Yeah. And so it didn't matter with my dad, you know, okay. it didn't matter. And so this is why. This is how we wound up there in that neighborhood. But you know, what I don't understand is why, okay, here's a black man going to a white man in order for, for him to get property. Why would this white man sell it to a black man if it was a, a totally white neighborhood? Money. That's the only thing. Well, he could have sold it to anybody. He, he, you know he, what I'm saying? He could have, but during that time, I don't know whether anybody had been to him. Right. I don't even know where for sale sign was right. ever on you there. Okay. On the land, okay. you know, because I I don't know what kind of uh, a relationship my dad had and, with mm, this okay. guy. I got you. you know, and it's, so it's, just, it's interesting too because I wonder um, if he received any pushback for selling it to a black family. I mean, I think that. Mm -hmm. It, mm -hmm. You know, okay. you know, it, that might not have been an easy thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as because I know that you know, again, with things I've been reading, there was pressure on you know while people couldn't out explicitly say it, and um, but there was pressure like you know, don't don't sell this to a black family, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You right. know, to keep the neighborhood you know, quote unquote, as it is, right? Um, keep it pure. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that, that context that you grew up in. Uh huh. And um, let me tell you this: he, he had this the guy where Dad bought the land from. He had a son. Okay, the piece of property that we bought, and the piece of property next people piece of property were right beside him. This same guy owned the property. So his son, he used to be in the neighborhood too, and he made the comment. He said, you know, if y'all run, run me off and y'all property say I wouldn't have to go nowhere but across the ditch there. Mm. I said, well, and he was right. That's all yeah. far he had to go, across the yeah. ditch. You know, just not even long as your arm. Right. You know, and so he go there. You couldn't touch him because he was on their land. So as you can see, I'm as tight with my words as a customer, calculating how much tip to leave. Should I give 15 or 20%? How much to speak if I am able? Because just like them, I can't afford to leave too much land on the table. There's too much vernacular manslaughter, reckless endangerment verbs, too many poor souls serving life for the damage of words served in. Would we all thought twice and aim to aspire adjectives of death and to a liturgical literacy of life? Cause I've seen firsthand the strife that comes from wanton, run-on sentences not structured intact in decency and recently, it seems like we've forgotten how to communicate. 
but I'm not perfect so I won't cast a stone, rather I'll build. I use my tongue to paint beautiful pictures in light of the sun, in light of who I'd like to become. But it all starts with me, and in time translates to we. And this is not to preach to you, rather this is to reach to you. So, let every said syllable sound of sincere structure not settling for some or stagnant sentences a servitude. So in short, words matter. Be meticulous. Tell me about, like, how was it your, your last year is the first year you went to an integrated school, your last year in high school. What was that like? How was that experience? I didn't have any problems. <laughs> you know, because my grades were there. I had, you know, good grades. And so I, uh, I did well in my classes. Uh, the only thing, you know, that, that where there was a problem that I can really remember was there was like uh, some black kids who were protesting about something and I can't remember what it was, but it was not fair. Seems like it had to do with the yearbook or something, but I can't remember exactly what it was. And so they walked out, they, they walked out of class, you know, mm. they walked out of class and uh I walked out, but I can't. I went back to class. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> but uh, but you know, just for just for the fact of being there with one voice, I was there. And uh, but as far as you know, uh, me not be being treated fairly, you know, I think my work spoke for me, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I I really didn't have a a problem with any of my teachers that I can recollect. None. So yes. I mean, it was fine with me because, see, I think the difference was when I when I went to school here in 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 New Bern, um, we were even though we were you know in a segregated school, we still had good materials that were being used versus with Randolph and and from so many others that were in his grade level and going to the same school where you had the hand-me-down books and all of that. And I'm not saying that we didn't have those, but I think that our books were, you know, better. Better condition. I, yeah, the, the materials were in better condition than, than theirs were. So, you know, I, I was just used to having good materials and I was, I was like a, a sponge. I was soaking up as much as they gave, you know. So, so by the time you came along, your senior year, they had been having some black students at the high school. Was it just one year prior to you, or had it been a couple of years prior to you? See, that part, I, I really don't know. Okay. Um, I remember some of the people who were in my class had gone over to the, the white school, Pamlico County High School. Some of them went over there, but see, I didn't know them because I never went to school in Pamlico gotcha. for that one year. Okay. So I, I, I don't know who was there, who, who was not there. Um, like I said, I thought that uh, the I thought that we were going to graduate from the black school. And then the, that year, 1959-70, that's when they went into total uh, integration. Total integration. And so I don't know. Right. Like, so I have thoughts about segregation, right, I think. I think at the end of the day, segregation has caused a lot of what's going on today. Um, and, and then there's still segregation. Like I live in Milwaukee and it's a very segregated city. 
like what what role do you think segregation played um in in some of the things that we have going on today between races well one thing what i think that is going on that i i can see is going on uh if we had been uh had integration uh being segregated being segregated um so you missed out on some things you know that uh well, if you was integrated, you could have you could have been in the mix, getting what everybody else was getting. But by being segregated, it was like you was left out. You you was just left out of a lot of things, you know, and you didn't know about it. Just like uh, a lot of things that uh, that when they did integrate, that there wasn't going on in the black school was not and so therefore uh and so when they were teaching from from my standpoint from what i heard about this uh when it was teaching you 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 were you was just you was just out of the loop mm -hmm. it was just all the way out then then uh and if you had been into if it had been integration it wouldn't have been no all these, these many questions being asked today as to ask you know um a lot of people that they, they don't they, you're not studying no black history you don't know how the black culture you don't know in the whites a lot of the young whites they don't know what the blacks went through with but if we was intertwined together you would have known what we would be going through if you were treated fairly you would treat me like you treat this one over here, you would know. But uh other words, uh it was just left out of the each 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 not only the black, some of the white and some of the blacks, you were just left out of the loop because you didn't know. Yeah. What one of the, the things that um we were finding out, you know, and and I think you mentioned this yourself, uh, but you didn't understand it fully. I think until after you got stopped that time. But, uh, you know, it's so easy to say, oh, it's all in your mind. It didn't happen. It's not that way. It's not what you think. When, you know, when you, when you have gone through it and you have lived through it, you see things from a different perspective. I know when we talk to our girls about um, certain things that, that they see and, and certain ways that they see things, they they can't understand what we're saying because we've lived through it. They only read about portions of it. Mm -hmm. So therefore they don't understand it. The only thing that they see is what's here and now. And but you know, the older they get, thank God, God yes. is opening up yes. their eyes to see yes. some of the things that we have been telling them all along that they were saying, well, they didn't say this, but I'm saying that they probably thought it. They thought we were dinosaurs. <laughs> we didn't know. <laughs> We didn't know what we were talking about, no, you know, and, and I'm going to give you a good example of this. Um, our oldest daughter, when they uh, sold their house uh, some years ago, my, my, my child had uh, all this black art in her house and she had a wedding picture up, beautiful pictures and all. And people would come and they would look at the house, but nobody would buy it. We told her, take the pictures down. Don't let the pictures be there to see it. They didn't tell us until after the house sold, <laughs> but the house sold. 
you know, so nobody wants to stay in a place, and I'm so sorry that it's like that, but nobody wants to stay in a, a place where a black person has lived. And that's so sad because black people can be just as clean as, as the next people, you know, but um, that, that's just the way society is. And, and if there had been integration during our lifetime, we probably, like they, we, we probably would look at, would have looked at our parents and thought the same identical thing. Oh, y'all, it's not like that anymore, you know, until we had gone through the situation ourselves. Well, there's another episode of Objects in the Mirror. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cousin Diana and Cousin Randolph. Hope to bring you part two of that conversation really soon. The poetry that you heard was from a guy by the name of Kenny Fresh. You can follow him on Twitter at KennyFresh1025. That's at K-E-N-N-Y. F-R-E-S-H-1025. His website is www.refresherpoint.com. You can follow him on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash refresherpoint and Instagram at refresherpoint. Go check him out. Really, really great artist. If you like what we're doing here, remember, like, subscribe, share, review. You can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Objects in the Mirror. That's right. Objects in the Mirror.